Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah everybody and welcome home. For the past few years we've always started our programs with this statement and we mean it because community is a place that we all should call home. A place that gives us peace, a place that gives us tranquility and a place that we know is going to be there. When Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describes faith in the Quran, He mentions stability as being a requirement for faith to grow. Asluha thabit wa far'uha sama That its roots are firm and its branches grow to the sky. If we don't have stability, if we don't have permanence, if we don't know that something is going to be there for us, then our faith won't be able to grow. This is why when the Prophet ﷺ came to Medina and made the migration, the hijrah with his companions, at that moment, when they arrived at their new permanent home, he said the beautiful phrase, Afshus salam, spread peace. Why? Because peace can be attained now that we have a place that we can call home. For the past five years, Roots has been able to be a part of so many people's lives, alhamdulillah, by the grace of Allah. And we're so honored to have that be a part of our legacy. But we've been doing it in temporary spaces. We've been doing it in hotel banquet halls, in masjid side rooms, in people's living rooms at home, and in temporary lease spaces where when we were signing the lease, we knew that this was not going to be there forever. But that can change. By the favor of Allah, with our foundational organization, Qalam, we've been able to find this beautiful property here in Carrollton, Texas that will be the permanent location and facility for the Roots Community Space. A place where everybody can feel that tranquility and have that growth of faith that Allah Ta'ala tells us about. We need your help to close on this property. We need you to generously donate and contribute whatever you can, adding your name to this list of people that will help build and construct a permanent home for us to build the model community following the example of the Prophet Muhammad in Medina. Help us make this dream a reality. Visit rootsdfw.org slash home. Assalamu alhamdulillah wa salatu wa salam wa ala rasulillah wa ala alihi wa ashabihi ajma'in. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh everybody. Um, welcome back. Welcome home to uh, our root session. Sorry, let me just lower this. Uh, our root session this, uh, this week. Um, we are uh, not meeting in person this week. You can notice the difference because uh, the difference in the setting uh, because we had heavy rain here today uh, and it led to a lot of different uh, difficult uh, driving challenges. So we went ahead and um, postponed meeting in person, but we thought we might as well have a short session online tonight, inshallah, just to continue our journey through the Surah, uh, Surah Kahf, inshallah, uh, chapter number 18. So where we left off last week was in the, uh, in the passage that is in between, or that is comes after the passage about the, the, the man with the two gardens, or the two men and the one of them with the two gardens. And we, um, we were now sort of in the interlude, uh, or the, the in-between, where Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is now addressing a different uh, you know, concept or a different reflection. And all these things obviously are connected. You know, when Allah Ta'ala reveals or revealed the Quran to the Prophet Sallallahu um, there were no like way, way different topics that were not connected to one another that were in the same surah. But part of the miraculous nature of the Quran is that all the different chapters, as much as the stories can go from here to there or to a different place, they all revolve around the same lessons. And so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is, he gave us the story of a person who invested everything he had into his worldly life. 
Um, all of the resources, all the time that he had was invested into his worldly life. And then he gave us the opposite story or the story at the same time of the opposite type of person, a person who dedicated everything that he had to his afterlife and how the person who invested everything into this life and grew this massive garden, this beautiful estate, eventually it came crumbling down. And uh, in ayah number 42, Allah Ta'ala, he says that all of his produce was totally ruined. Um, and he started to, the man who had invested all of his, his life and all of his wealth into this property, he started to wring his hands together like this. He started to like squeeze his hands out of anxiety. And he said that, uh, that I should have never associated anyone with my Lord. And so that's sort of the, the point that he reaches. And then Allah Ta'ala comments on this and he says, That this person had no manpower. He had no ability, no assistance, no aid uh, against what Allah Ta'ala had decreed for him. And nor could he even be someone who would help himself in his own situation. So this is now where we, where we stand. And Allah Ta'ala, he carries on the conversation starting today with this next ayah, ayah number 44, when he says, That this, at this time, this person realized, that this person realized at this moment, that support and wilaya, um, you know, close proximity to Allah. Wilaya means that, you know, protection and support that is the result of a person being close to Allah. And this is something that's really, really important to understand is that many of us, we expect or we hope for um, support and protection from Allah, but we don't do what is necessary to maintain that proximity to Allah's power So there are things that need to be done in order for a person to be close to Allah, right? You look at the five daily prayers, um, you look at the different sort of, uh, you know, the, the, the different acts of worship and obedience, staying away from certain sinful behaviors. All of these things are examples of things that we know will bring us closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And as a result of that, when a person does these things, they achieve or they gain, you know, they make progress on the path of wilaya, on the path of closeness to Allah. So it's, it's contradictory for a person to think to themselves that, you know, I'm going to be protected by Allah, I'm going to get the special favor of Allah, I'm going to get the special privilege from Allah. And that person doesn't at least make an effort, right? At least reflect and try to make an effort and put forth their best work in what they can do to come close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So here Allah ta'ala says that at this time, that the support only comes from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the true Lord, okay? That he is the best in reward and the best in outcome. Allah Ta'ala here is teaching us a really, really important lesson. And that is that the nature of this dunya is that this dunya ultimately is designed to go from a high point to a low point. That this dunya ultimately, if a person achieves whatever level of status they can in this dunya, no matter what, it's going to end at a low point. So no matter where a person is or stands in their life, things will always 
come down. Things will always disintegrate. Firstly, we know that obviously physically, your body will not be the same as it was when you were younger, right? So when a person, for example, is like getting into their late teens, their 20s, their 30s, they have all this energy, all this aspiration, all this focus. And you see now that the culture predominantly, right, in the world, online, social media, is about people trying to extend that window of prosperity, of physical prosperity as much as they can. And it's true, people should try to be healthy, keep in shape, etc. But the reality is that you're fighting against a clock that has never lost, right? You're fighting against time and time has never lost. And so when a person realizes that, you know what, as much as I acquire and gain all these things, the reality is that I will eventually come down from here and I will be at a much lesser point than I am today. A person has to know that, okay, my investment into what I'm doing now has to be seen with the lens and the filter of me laying in my hospital bed and me laying in my deathbed. And I just saw something yesterday that really shook me and I was sharing it with Ustav uh, Abedullah, my you know, colleague, the Arabic instructor at Qadam. And it was this article about the regrets that people have when they're dying, when they're laying on their deathbed. And those regrets were like astounding. I mean, it shook my heart to read that. It was like one of them said that the person regretted not telling people that he loved them. One of them was that I regret not spending more time with my family. One of them was like, I regret not, you know, uh, reading my kids' bedtime stories. Like things that have nothing to do with material ambition. They have nothing to do with career success and prosperity and all of that. They were all people had that were, they regretted at the end of their life were like those moments that you can't even pay for. You can't purchase those. So here Allah Ta'ala is teaching us using the story of the man with the two gardens that you inevitably, whether it happened then or whether it was going to happen later, the, re the reality is the more that you stray away from Allah, the more you are leaving that bubble of protection. And ultimately, even if a person is able to endure, is able to benefit, is able to you know, have the blessings that Allah has given them as much as they can, the reality is that whatever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has, is going to be greater. And he says this in the Quran time and time again. Right? Allah Ta'ala says, whatever is with you will perish. And whatever is with Allah, ma'indullahi baq, it will it is is going to last forever. And that's why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in the next ayah that or the, the ayah following, right? When he says, give them the example, uh, that give them the example of this worldly life, that it is like the plants of the earth thriving when we send down rain from the sky. And then he says, uh, and then after we send down rain from the sky and the plants have, you know, produced and they are, they're prosperous and they're beautiful and they're producing flowers and fruits and vegetables and all of this. Then all of a sudden, they become like, Hashima means like, like chopped up, like mashed up, like they, they're, they're just like brittle, right? They're broken up, they're cut up, okay? Um, and that's why he says, 
that they become scattered by the wind. So that same plant that looks super strong and super, it was producing so much benefit and veg, vegetation and fruit, after just like a few days of not watering, the, the leaves start to become brittle. And then a few more days of watering, the leaves start to fall off the stems. And then a few more days, the entire plant dies. And if a gust of wind comes through, it blows everything away. That thing that you thought was so full of life. So Allah Ta'ala says what? This is the example of this life. The example of this life is that you will be in a position of, 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 of greenery, right? This is the Prophet actually described it. He described to his, uh, his you know, Khadija's uh, um, nephew, Hakim bin, uh, Hakim bin Hizam. He described to him, he said that, he said, this money is sweet and green. Because Hakim, he kept going to the Prophet Hakim kept going to the Prophet and asking for money. You know, he asked him for wealth and the Prophet gave him money. He did this three or four times. And then the Prophet finally, in the last time, he told him, he said, Ya Hakim, he said, that this, this, this money I'm giving you, it's sweet and it's green. Right? Meaning that it, it, it makes you feel alive. It rejuvenates you. Nobody feels bad when they get paid. Nobody feels, you know, uh, uh, whenever people see that money hits their account, they, there's a sense of life that's given to them, right? So this is normal. This is natural. This is part of the, the, the design that Allah Ta'ala gave us. When we receive provision, when we receive rizq, it, 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 it gives us a sense of, of life, of energy. However, the, per, the smart person right, is the one who takes it. The Prophet ﷺ said, وَمَنْ أَخَذَهُ When he's speaking to Hakim bin Nizam, he said, whoever takes it, okay, and it is enough for them, then he says that, بُرِكَ لَهُ فِيهِ Allah Ta'ala will put blessings in it. Whoever takes whatever wealth is given to them, and it is enough for them, and they are satisfied with it, then Allah Ta'ala will place barakah in it. And then he says, وَمَنْ أَخَذَهُ and whoever takes it and they are not satisfied with it, their, their, their nafs is, is upset that they didn't get more and they want more and they want more. It's not, it's not satiating them. Then he says, Lam yubarak lahu fi. Allah Ta'ala will never bless it. He said that the person will be like, that person will be like the example of somebody who eats and they never reach a state of fullness. They keep eating and eating and eating and they never reach a state of fullness, right? So here is the parable Allah Ta'ala is presenting. That this, this dunya, this life that we invest everything into, part of it is a natural, there's a natural disposition that we have as human beings to want to be able to live in a state of comfort, in a state of prosperity, in a state of enjoyment. And Allah Ta'ala, He allows us, these things are permissible, however, they become very problematic and, be, and can become impermissible the moment we start to lose sight of the fact that this is all temporary. And that's why Allah Ta'ala says, think of the rain coming down from the sky. Shaykh al Nasr today said something so amazing. He said, you know, for the last four weeks, Dallas, Texas, where I live, has been begging for rain. Masajid have been doing the rain prayer, you know, Salat al-Istisqa, They've been praying it, begging, begging for rain. Because it was really, there was a drought. I mean, it was like 65, 70 days of no rain. And then we got a little bit of rain here and there, and it was nice, but it was still very hot. 
And then today it rained overnight and there were floods, there were floods. And Sheikh was just saying, he was just, we were talking and he was like, look at how, look at how quick the dunya can change for all of us. Like seven days ago, we're begging for rain and now we're begging for Allah to make it stop, right? Right? We're begging for it. Oh Allah, bring it to us. And now we're saying, like, don't, don't make it around us, not on top of us, right? We're making that dua to Allah. So the nature of this dunya is one that is very, very fickle, very flippant. One day you'll be sick, the, ne sick, the next day you'll be healthy. One day you'll be happy, the next day you'll be sad. One day you'll be strong, the next day you'll be weak. One day you'll be alive, the next day you'll be gone. And it's just, that's the nature of this dunya. And so what does he say? Allah Ta'ala says, look at the example of the plants outside, right? Look at the example. Allah says, we send down rain and all of this beautiful vegetation arrives and then all of a sudden it dies and the earth, it scatters, the wind scatters it across the earth. And that's why he says, that Allah Ta'ala is capable of all things. And then the next ayah, and this is where we finished last time. المال والبنون زينة الحياة الدنيا والباقيات الصالحات خير عند ربك ثوابا وخير أملا. That Allah Taala says the two things that people live for, to make money and to have a family, right? These are the two things that drive almost all of human behavior, is to earn and to be able to provide and have a family, to get married to enjoy companionship of the spouse, and then also to have children. I mean, these are some, some, these are like very natural dispositions, things that every person wants to achieve at some way, in some way, shape or form, okay? So Allah Ta'ala says, Al-Malu Al-Banun, Zinatul Hayat Al-Dunya. He says, these things are the adornment of this dunya. This is not him, Allah Ta'ala, telling us that they are bad, right? Some people take this and they say, oh, that this is an example that money and even children are not good for you and you should just, you know, live a life of asceticism and piety and live by yourself and just live, you know, just be alone. And that's not the case. Why? We know the Prophet Sallallahu right? This is basic tafsir, right? Allah Ta'ala tells us in Surah Al-Jum'ah that what, uh, after the, the Salah is done, Go out and earn. So the Quran tells us that you can earn money. So money is not bad. That's number one. Number two, the Prophet himself, he earned, he got married, he had children. So whenever anybody tries to read the Quran, it's important to know basic tafsir is that you have to look elsewhere in the Quran. Then you have to look at the life of the Prophet And these are the explanations that we have for the verses that we read. So Allah is saying that these things are the adornment, they are the, the, they are the ornaments, they are the design and the decoration, right? Zina, the design, the beautiful parts of al-hayat al-dunya, this life. This means that these things are meant to be enjoyed within reason. But then Allah Ta'ala continues and He says, وَالْبَاقِيَاتُ الصَّالِحَاتِ خَيْرٌ عِنْدَ رَبِّكَ ثَوَابًا وَخَيْرٌ أَمَلًا That the true things that are going to be better for everybody, are going to be those deeds that last, those good deeds that last, al-baqiyat al-salihat. So we finished here last week and I was talking about the nature of children and wealth. These things, you know, wealth, it comes and it goes. Wealth comes into your hand and then it leaves your hand. It comes into your account, then it leaves your account. Children, 
You know, you spend all this time investing in having children and raising children. And then when they, you know, get old enough to go to college, they might go somewhere else. And then they get into different programs and get married and they have families of their own. And those children that you spent your entire life raising and thinking about and, and, and making dua for and crying about, they're gone, right? And again, it's not bad. It's part of life. But this is just the nature. Allah Ta'ala is reminding us. This is just the way things go. So what then should a person focus on are those good deeds that will be everlasting. That with your money and with your children, don't just invest in them in so much as is beneficial temporarily. Right? With your, with your mal, part of the zina of this hayat dunya Make sure you give. Make sure you give some money away in charity. Make sure that you are a generous person, that you're doing good with your wealth. You're supporting good causes. You're taking care of those in need. You're feeding the hungry. You're clothing those who have no clothes. You're giving opportunities to those who have been, uh, you know, systematically uh, uh, prohibited from seeking out different opportunities. Do good with your money. Why? Because it's going to go anyway. So you might as well. You know, you might as well do good with the thing that's going to disappear anyways, right? To make it from the baqiyat al-salihat, to make it from the everlasting good. The next, al-banun, your children. You know, you can raise your children to be successful in like a dunyawi way where they will become the most successful, the most uh, accomplished. They have the, the greatest training certifications. That's fine. But wouldn't you want all of those years of, of investing in your children, the two, three decades, right? Where you have direct access to forming and molding this person. Wouldn't you want that to be the formation of somebody that's going to make dua for you when you pass away? Or the one that's going, every single thing that they do that's good, they can, they can link a memory of it back to you, right? Or is the pursuit of status and wealth and notoriety and fame, is that so much that all this child is to you is just a product of your own success, right? So here, Allah Ta'ala is pairing these two concepts, that the two things that you live your life for, money and family, they are the most beautiful aspects of this life. Allah Ta'ala says it, it's a fact. Zinatul hayat al-dunya. But then he says, the thing that will be better for everybody, if they come to realize it, is that when they do, when they live their life, they live with the purpose of that which is everlasting. And that transforms every intention, every purpose, every inner drive that they have, it transforms it. Now when I'm, when I'm making money, it's not just about me supporting myself. It's about what legacy can I build with this wealth, right? What can I do? Can I help establish Islamic institutions? Can I build wells? Can I build institutions that are going to live beyond me? Right? And then with my children, can I make sure that I do proper mentorship and tarbiyah and I maintain that relationship with them? I'm patient, I'm caring, I'm kind. Because it's a marathon, it's not a sprint. I'm in it for the long game, right? I'm not in it for the short-term win. So I'm, I make sure that my entire relationship with my children is such that when, as I get old, they're asking Allah in their prayers to accept me and to forgive me and to give me Jannah. My children on my behalf, right? This is the sign of a person that understands the correctly, they correctly understand the hayat al-dunya. So basically, in summary, this, these two ayat teach us that there's a correct way to understand the dunya 
And there's an incorrect way to understand the dunya. The next ayah, ayah number 47, Allah Ta'ala says, وَيَوْمَ نُسَيِّرُ الْجِبَالِ That beware of the day. Beware of the day that we will blow the mountains away. This is an interesting image. So the image of the day of judgment. Allah Ta'ala says, وَيَوْمَ And this obviously means يَوْمِ الْقِيَامَةِ The day of judgment. نُسَيِّرُ الْجِبَالِ وَتَرَى الْأَرْضَ بَارِزَةً that you will see the earth completely laid bare, completely empty. Okay? That we will gather every single creature from humanity. We will gather everybody, leaving no single person behind. Okay? So this is Allah Ta'ala now giving us a very powerful image. When we think of things that are stable, mountains are definitely from the objects on earth that we think of are rock solid. No pun intended, right? I know that they're rocks, but they are absolutely stable. Rock, you know, mountains are, you know, they say when they try to describe somebody that can, that, can, that can accomplish a lot, that can do the impossible, they say this person can move mountains. Because in English we say they can move mountains. Because why? Because the idea of a mountain is that it is, it is immovable. It's stable. So Allah Ta'ala says, not even that the mountains will move. He says, we will cause them to float away. We will cause them to float away. That the mountains that you see that are so just embedded and that are so like, you know, in the earth, right? And they say that really the, the amount of the mountain that's showing is only one third of it. That mountains actually are anchored into the ground. So this is the ge- geological uh, you know, I took a geology course in college and at the time I thought it was so pointless. But as I read the Quran, when I, when I read about like the different earth formations and the rain and things like that, I'm like, oh, I guess that class was a little bit helpful. So the mountains are actually underground, right? They almost serve as like pegs for the earth. You know, when you, when you construct a tent, you have to take that iron peg or that steel peg and you have to put it in the ground. And you can't leave majority of it above the ground. Majority is underground. So the mountains do the same function. So Allah Ta'ala says on the day of judgment, the mountains will be lifted away from the earth and will be floating, right? And some of the tafsir says they'll be floating like clouds in the sky. Like we'll look up and we'll just see mountains. Okay? Then Allah Ta'ala says, and the earth will be laid completely bare. There will be nothing on the earth. Like you could see, one of the tafsirs said you could see from, from end to end. Because you know the horizon, it obviously where the sky meets the earth, uh, uh, you know, it's limited in our, our perception because of many things. And one of them is that there's different sort of, uh, you know, earth structures. There's hills and there's mountains and there's valleys and there's all these different types of structures on the earth that make it difficult to see, right, a long distance. That's why a place like Dallas, Texas, which is very, very flat land, you can actually see quite a long way to the horizon. So on that day, Allah Ta'ala says, That you will be able to see the, like, the entire earth, basically. And why? Every single person that existed on earth will be gathered for this day. One of the things that one of my early teachers taught me about the Day of Judgment that I thought was really, really profound he said that when you think of the Day of Judgment, think of everything that you're used to, all the rules that you think are, um, all the rules that you think are like part of just factual reality, physics, there's no way around them. He says, 
think of all of that being suspended. And it's almost when you read the Quran, it's almost as if Allah Ta'ala demonstrates that suspension over and over and over again, so that he, so that he can almost shake us out of our expectation. Because the Day of Judgment is a day which is unlike any other day. The Day of Judgment is a day which is unlike any other day. There's no other experience like it. It's so unique. And so Allah describes some of the moments on that day with the same description theme of it being so unique so that our hearts realize like, oh man, I'm not just going to be able to wake up and like sneak my way out of this. You know, like if you know something's coming, if you know something's happening, if you know that there's some accountability, what do you say? Like, oh, okay, let me, maybe I can make up a story. Maybe I can lie my way through this. Worst case scenario, let me hire a lawyer and see if I can like scare the people out of it, whatever, right? There's always a solution in the dunya. There's always a way out. There's always a loophole. People looking at contracts, digging through language, trying to see how they can get out of their responsibilities and whatnot. This is the nature of the dunya, right? The nature of the dunya is that there's a lot of cracks and people can easily slip through those cracks, okay? So Allah is saying on the day of judgment, there's going to be nowhere to hide, Okay, the mountains are going to be floating away. The earth is going to be laid bare. Everyone's going to be out. Everyone's going to be there. Not a single person will be able to stay in and say, you know what, I'm going to wait this one out. Right? So Allah Ta'ala introduces now the Day of Judgment. And then he says that they will be presented to your Lord. They will be presented to your Lord in rows. This is from, uh, um, the tafsir actually mentions something really powerful here. When he says that, why are people presented in rows to Allah? And they, they, they said that, um, the tafsir mentioned, they said that when people stand in rows before something, it's a sign of, when they have a, a sense of form, when they have a sense of, 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 what's the word? When they take shape, right? When there's not just like a crowd, but when there's actually people stand like in order, it's a sign of, of respect and reverence. It's a sign of uh, deference, you know? Um, that's why they say like in school, part of the benefit of sending your kids to school, one of the things they say actually, which is really interesting, I don't think we think about this, is it teaches kids how to stand in line, right? Because that's part of daily life, is like imagine going to the grocery store and a person doesn't know how to stand in line. Some people get so frustrated when they travel to different countries across the world especially some of those countries might be Muslim majority countries and lines are just a, a, a joke. You know, if you're going to get food, you can't wait in line. You have to make your way up to the front, right? Whenever I get back from overseas, <laughs> there's always like a readjustment period to like lines, <laughs> like form, right? So the Quran says that on that day, people will be standing safan, in lines. They'll be standing in rows out of deference and respect and, and, and ta'zim reverence of Allah. And this is interesting because why? Because this is coming down to, this surah is coming down to the Quraysh. It's a Meccan surah. So it's coming down to these people who deny Allah altogether, right? They don't even stand up. They don't even, they don't even stand up and, and greet the Prophet ﷺ. They have no respect for this at all. So Allah is saying what? That, uh, you are going to be standing in rows, whether or not you realize it, whether or not you want to admit it, you're going to be there. You're going to have to respect Allah on that day. There's not going to be an opportunity for somebody not to respect Allah. Everything is going to be laid bare. Everything is going to be 
uh, uh, presented in front of you. Everything. It's going to be serious. A person can't just simply not uh, uh, attend and not be a part of that day. Okay? Uh, and then they say, That Allah Ta'ala says that. Uh, and the deniers, those people who rejected Allah, they will be told that what? You have been brought back to us. We brought you back just like we created you the first time. Again, going back to the idea of the garden. Allah Ta'ala created that garden and He took it away. And the Quran has this parable, this example, this theme of life and death on the earth. So Allah Ta'ala says what? We brought you back to us. You thought you were never going to come back. What does Surah Qaf say? The Surah Qaf, it addresses this argument of the Quraysh. They said, Are, you're, you, you know, they, they called it ajib, strange. How could anybody say that we're going to die and that after we die, God is going to bring us back to life? So Allah Ta'ala on that day is going to be addressing everybody, those people who believed, but really the, the, the tough situation are those people that neglected Allah, that denied, neglected, rejected all of those negative associations with God. And Allah Ta'ala will say, we brought you back here. We warned you, like we sent the book, we sent the messengers, we sent the messages, we sent the scriptures, we told you that this day was coming. We told you all you had to do was live your life preparing for this day. All you had to do was when you made a mistake, you had to repent. All you had to do was do your best and keep this day in mind. That's it. We brought you here just like we created you the first time. If you have any doubt whatsoever that the day of judgment is going to happen, just ask yourself, how did I get here? How did I get here? I had no part in my own presence, in my own creation, in my, in my own being. I had no part in it. I had no part in it. So how is it the case that I deny that the one who brought me here in the first place is telling me that I'm going to come back? And I say, no. Okay. And then Allah Ta'ala says, بَلْ زَعَمْتُمْ بَلْ زَعَمْتُمْ أَلَّا نَجْعَلْ لَكُمْ مَوْعِدًا That, however, you always claimed, بَلْ زَعَمْتُمْ You always made the claim that we would never ever أَلَّا نَجْعَلْ لَكُمْ مَوْعِدًا That we would never have a time, uh, we would never have a, a, a reuniting. We would never meet again. You always claimed that. And now look at you. Look at where you're standing. Look at what's happening. You know, you, the person's going to be in complete disbelief, complete shock. Imagine everything that you vehemently denied is happening. And it's, it's, it's not, you're not even being told it's going to happen. It's just happening, right? And then this verse, subhanAllah, وَوَضِعَ الْكِتَابِ فَتَرَ الْمُجْرِمِينَ مُشْفِقِينَ مِمَّا فِيهِ وَيَقُولُونَ يَا وَيْلَتَنَا مَا لِهَذَا الْكِتَابِ لَا يُغَادِرْ صَغِيرَةً Man, it's like crazy imagery, subhanAllah. And the books are going to be presented and laid open, right? So you have this book. So imagine like this book is just going to be laid open. And instead of this book being, you know, a fiqh book, it's going to be your book of deeds. It's just going to say your name on it. Abdurrahman Murphy, right? 
It'll have like your book of deeds. A'mal Abdurrahman Murphy fid dunya. And you open it and it's going to have all, all these pages, all these words are just going to be descriptions of like everything that you ever did. Like everything that you looked at, everything that you listened to, everything that you said. It's just going to be here. Volumes and volumes and volumes. Right? It'll be there. Laid open. The, 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 those people that denied that this day was ever going to take place, at that moment, he says, you will see them, مُشْفِقِينَ, that they will be like, they will be like, uh, um, uh, you know, just, just like so tormented and so in fear. They will be just drowning in fear. Mimmafi. They're going to be reading it and they're going to say, oh my God, even I forgot about that. Even I forgot that that happened. Even I forgot that that was there. وَيَقُولُونَ And they're going to say, يَا وَيْلَتَنَا They're going to just shake their head and say, What have I done? What have I done? مَا لِهَذَا الْكِتَابِ What kind of book is this? What is this? What kind of record is this? لَا يُغَادِرُ صَغِيرَةً وَلَا كَبِيرَةً إِلَّا أَحْصَاهَا They're going to say like, they're flipping pages and they're like, it's not missing anything. Every single thing that I did is in here. Nothing small, nothing big. Nothing is missing. إِلَّا أَحْصَاهَا وَوَجَدُوا مَا عَمِلُوا حَاضِرًا And they will see everything that they did is present. وَلَا يَظْلِمُوا رَبُّكَ أَحَدًا And Allah Ta'ala will never wrong anybody. Um... This is where we'll conclude today. So this is, again, a beautiful, powerful description of the Day of Judgment, subhanAllah, that Allah Ta'ala is giving to us, right? And remember, this is all happening in the context of what? It's all happening in the context of the story of the man who lost sight of the Day of Judgment. He lost sight of his purpose on earth. He lived his life just trying to please himself, just giving himself everything his nafs wanted. I want more, I want more, I want more. Completely lost sight of the Day of Judgment to the point where he became so attached to this life and completely forgot about the next life that he denied that the, that the Day of Judgment was ever even going to happen. He said, you know, I don't think it's going to happen. So then Allah, a few verses later, says that day will happen. If you look around you and see the earth around you, you have to admit that that day is going to happen. Death and life are happening around you all the time. You have to realize that you are part of that equation. You are alive and you will also die. And you have to, a person has to explore what's going to happen after I die. And Allah says, this is what's going to happen. You're going to see the day of judgment happening before your eyes. You're going to be gathered before Allah. No choice on that day. There's no running away. There's no, a person can't escape, right? And then the book will be laid out. And all of the deeds, all of the words, all of the things that we did, small and big, will be right in front of us. And those people that did not humble themselves and come back to Allah are going to be absolutely dumbfounded. What kind of book is this? It didn't leave anything out. And Allah Ta'ala says, You're going to see everything you did there present. But... The, the, the promise of Allah always remains true, which is that Allah will never ever 
have to even exaggerate. Allah will never even have to embellish. Allah will never even have to do, Allah will never include anything that wasn't there. All you have to do is live your life remembering this day. If every night before you go to sleep, you just remember this image, just remember that, those words. Your heart will have to be inspired to ask Allah to forgive you. Oh Allah, forgive me for what I did this day. Oh Allah, don't leave this, don't leave the actions, the bad actions of this day, don't put it in my book. Oh Allah, don't let the words that I said, the things that I looked at, the things that I did, oh Allah, don't, don't let these actions be in my book on that day, oh Allah. Don't let me be a person who is shocked and, and is self-destructing on that day. Don't let me be that one, Allah. So this is the imagery that Allah Ta'ala is painting. We ask Allah Ta'ala to give us this, inshallah, and more. Uh, we'll be reconvening next week in person uh, to continue from ayah number 50 from Surah Al-Kahf, where Allah Ta'ala tells us the beautiful story of, uh, um, or he, he, he references the beautiful story uh, that we all come to know of the creation of Adam and the uh, the situation that occurred with Iblis. Uh, may Allah Ta'ala give us the ability uh, to practice all that we've said and heard. Barakallahu feekum. Jazakumullah khairan. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.